Hello, hello. I am Michael Rozil, the host to Our Athletes, the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes on their story and path to the games. And it is incredible, and I'm loving it, and it is unbelievable. Today, we have Carly Margulies, probably butchered it. I get it right and wrong multiple times during the episode, but Carly is of USA Skiing. Um, Carly is rocking and rolling. She's getting ready. Um, so some unfortunate injuries happen, but at the same time, she is super upbeat about it. She is super positive and it was incredible. So I hope you guys get a little inspiration from this episode. She was very nice. She was very welcoming. She was very relaxed. Um, even after I messed up her name multiple times. So Carly was super cool. Hope you guys really enjoy it. Take everything in, get something out of it. That's really all I'm looking for. So thank you guys. And I hope you have a wonderful episode. All right. And on another fantastic episode, we have Carly Margulies, Hercules, Margulies, something along those lines. Carly, thank you so much for being here today with us. She is on the USA ski team. She, her discipline is half pipe. Uh, Carly was born in 1997 on Christmas Eve. I'm a huge Christmas fan, so I don't know if that means anything to you, but I love it. In California, she's been competing since 2011. So if we do a little math there, since you're about 14, it sounds like, right? Give or take. 13, 14, 13, yeah. 13 sounds cooler. Let's go with 13. 13. Oh, that's true, because you're the end of the year. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. She has been on the USA team for the last three years um, when this upcoming season rolls around. She's won a couple events on the US Rev Tour, and unfortunately, Carly just suffered a knee injury past April, um, this past April, so she will be doing a lot of rehab, and that's definitely something we're going to be asking you about. So, Carly, thank you so much for being here today. We sincerely appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I gave a little synopsis of your life, but something tells me you're a little bit better at telling your story than I am. So I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of giving us a little bit more in depth and uh, tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing and how you got to this point. So I started skiing when I was three years old. My parents taught me how. And once I entered kindergarten, I started a program called um, Ski PE, and it allowed us little grums to ski in the afternoons. Um, say like 12 to 4 p.m. And we did that about three to four days a week. And that is really how I, I'd say, got into skiing and really fell in love with it. And when I was in fifth grade, I noticed a couple of skiers skiing in the park. And that really interested me. It looked super fun. Um, and so we actually weren't allowed to go into the park as little five-year-olds however old we were so I would purposely drop my ski pole off of the chairlift as we're going over the park so to have to go into the park and get it so on the way down to getting my ski pole I would like hit some rails hit some jumps um, secretly of course get my pole and then go out and so I told my parents that I really love doing park and so they looked into the mammoth free ski team and you actually had to be 11 years old when you joined. So once I was 11 in sixth grade, I joined the Mammoth Free Ski Team. And um, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. So that's really funny. So five-year-old Carly sounds like she was pretty darn smart. So then for, was that like a six-year period? You would just happen to drop a ski pole multiple times a day and no one was like, oh, this is weird. I mean, of course they'd get mad at me, but like they can't stop me from dropping my pole. I got to go get it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the way you think that is too funny. And clearly it worked out. Absolutely. So that's really cool. Yeah. So you started skiing at three years old. So that means you have 26 years on me because I've never skied and I'm 26 years old. So congratulations on that. That is super wow. impressive. What was like, 
I know uh, I've been speaking with a lot of skiers and snowboarders now. It, it, there's a very common theme that you guys start very young. Do you think just like starting so young is pretty much you've been able to just throw caution to the wind with a lot of the stuff that you're able to do now? Definitely, 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 definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Definitely, definitely helps starting young. Um, it's when I started walking. So, I mean, I would say it's as easy as walking now to me. That's that is absolutely fantastic. So just as an aside, I was actually invited to go skiing once. I was unable to go. The person that took my place ended up breaking her arm. So that is oh, um, no. the world telling me that I shouldn't go skiing or I'm going to break no. my arm. So I am unfortunately never going to be able to go um, because I will break my arm. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it happens, right? No, um, that is terrible that's how karma in my that is how karma works there's nothing i can do about it unfortunately you know she's a really nice girl too you know so i'm so sad that she broke her arm but hey it is what it is these are just the little that's the little mean you're gonna break your arm well oh my gosh. just in case just in case that's the way i have to think about it so awesome thank you so much for that so um how how long have you been so you've been competing since 2011 so it sounds like for about the past seven coming up on eight years, what's it been like, you know, starting at such a young age, as we said, about 13 years old competing um, in some of these events now getting up into, you know, the U.S. Rev Tour, which, you know, if you don't mind actually explaining how the competition levels and all that work for our audience, you know, what has that been like to be able to kind of work your way through and get almost, you know, relatively close to the highest, uh, highest possible spot? Yeah. Um, so I started off competing in little local events called USASA and um, there was really only two other girls in Mammoth that I would be competing against and so I had a good chance at doing well at those events and towards the end of the season if you did well enough you get invited to nationals and so that created a stage for me to show off to the U.S. team how good I am (laughs) Um, what skills I have and that eventually will your results at nationals will eventually get you invited to rev tour Um, and then once you do well at rev tour you can get invited to the U.S. Grand Prix World Cups and so okay wait what what was your question (laughs) um well yeah explain explain kind of how it's it's like getting up to the rev tour which is one of the the top play um top events or the top, I guess, tours is to, mm-hmm. use, to use the word. And then what's it like actually winning a couple of those events um, along the way? Yeah. So winning Rev Tours obviously is a good confidence booster, um, shows you that you actually have the potential to compete at a big level with some really good athletes. Um, and it really puts your name out there and shows the U.S. team that you have what it takes to compete at the World Cup level. And were you, how, were you invited to any of the World Cup events? Yeah, that's where I compete at now. Oh, okay, very cool. And what's, what's it like competing literally against some of the highest competition possible? It's crazy. Um, my teammates are all um, Olympians, and so I have such a huge competition um, when it comes to that event. But I think that it's really fun. It pushes me, and if I make finals, like – it makes me feel so good about myself and how I'm doing and really pushes me to actually want to get higher and higher and higher. So this, uh, so the, 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 after the Rev Tour, I'm sorry, is the world world cup, right? So yeah. then 
how how do you then qualify for the Olympic team? Because you're on the U.S. national team. How do you then what's what's how do you get to that next level? I guess. So this last season was the Olympic year, obviously, and there are five Olympic qualifier events that lead up to the Olympics, and you have to podium at at least two of those events or compared to your four other athletes that are on your team, you have to be ranked one, two, three, or four based on your standings. So I ranked seventh place in three of them, and I ranked fourth place in two of them. So I was at that point after getting two fourths and three sevenths, I was very close to one of my teammates mm-hmm. in deciding who would be going to the Olympics. She had two sevenths, one sixth, and two fourths. So she had a little bit of more points than me. So they really had to like look at who had more points and that's really what decided who would go to the Olympics. So yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you were literally one place away, not to, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I so was. it sounds like, yeah, so you're super, super close. So unfortunately, sorry to hear, um, but that just means next time, you know, we'll be rooting for you a little bit harder. So what is that? Um, we actually, I actually was, had the luck opportunity to already interview um, Darian Stevens, another skier, different discipline, and she had the same thing happen. She literally missed yes. by a single spot. Um, mm-hmm. Have actually that it seems like you guys might know each other. Have you had any conversation with her about how like I don't want to call it devastating, but like how disappointing it is to literally lose off by you know a single spot? It sounds like I actually haven't been able to sit down and talk to her about it, but I've talked to many people about this situation. Um, what I've taken from it is. It was my first year on the pro halfpipe team, and I was even considered to go to the Olympics. Like, that's pretty crazy to think about. Um, so it just really pushes me and shows me that I have four years to go until the next Olympics, and I was that close to being to the Olympics. Like, if I just put a little bit more effort in, I feel like I'm going to be way past the top. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's incredible just to think about, you know, you were, you were, you were so close. I mean, look at the positives. That is unbelievable. It's your first year. You've only been on the team for a couple of years and you're still, you know, that close. I mean, literally every single year, one person in every sport has to not go. I mean, a minimum pretty yeah. much like there's always one person that's a spot away. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, you know, hopefully you can learn from it. You can take it, use it, motivate it, chip on your shoulder kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, a little anger in your veins and just, rock and roll in, in, uh, in another four years. So congratulations yeah. on getting that close though. That is pretty incredible. Thank you. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm assuming you're, so, so I guess let's go into that a little bit. Your, your friends are you, you at least know everybody on your team. I'm assuming you're friendly with most of them, if not all of them, you know, obviously you're fighting for the comp that, you know, you're fighting because you're competitive and obviously you want to go. What is it like? Like what's that, what's that side of it? Like, like, yes, obviously you lost out, but someone, you know, possibly a friend of yours, was able to go, you know, obviously there's a little, you know, um, you know, double-edged sword, I'm assuming there. Yeah. It's a weird concept for sure. Cause you're competing against some of your best friends. And so you really want them to do well, but you obviously want yourself to do well. And so obviously if you do better than them, you're going to be stoked and your, your teammates are also going to be stoked for you. Um, but at the end of the day, you're just rooting for your friends and you're just there to have fun. So no yeah, exactly. 
right? <laughs> you get to ski for a living. Like that, you're like, it could be way worse, right? It could definitely be yeah. worse than that, right? Not too bad. So, that, hey, you know, it is it is super disappointing. It is obviously and you know, a little little hurtful, especially because this is only a few months ago. But you know, it, same thing as I said before. I'm pretty sure you know if we we're that close after only being on the team for a couple of years, I can only imagine what you're going to do after being on the team for five or six years. So, you know, so it's pretty yeah. incredible. Congratulations again, and uh, you know, let's let's just keep rocking and rolling. We have our fingers crossed for you, Carly. How's that sound? Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, cool. So let's kind of uh, dive into like the day to day, I guess, a little bit. And, and really, like, what I want to do is I want people to understand what it's like being an Olympic athlete because I don't think people understand, A, what it's like to be an athlete in general. Like, no, like, you hear people complaining about football players, baseball players all the time. I don't think the normal person who works their nine to five really understands what it's like to be an athlete. Throw on top of that, you know, you're, you're representing your country and you only get noticed once, unfortunately, noticed really only once every four years. So on, and the day-to-day training, what's it like? Um, now, obviously we're in a different situation right now, but we'll, I will ask you about that in a bit. What is the training like leading up to the Olympics? And, you know, you're relatively young, you're trying, you're gunning for it. You're trying to get there. You know, what does a day look like? You know, let's call it a random, well, today's Friday. What's a random Tuesday look like in the life of Carly when it comes around to, to training, recovery, nutrition, and all these other coaching, every, all the, all the aspects that you need to make sure that you're perfecting to make sure you're in the opportunity or in, with the opportunity to make the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So our team actually, we're all spread apart. We're not living in the same town or city. And mm-hmm. so to train, we usually get together and come to the same mountain to train for like a week or two. So a random day during that week would look like getting up, eating some breakfast. They usually have eggs and hash browns and maybe like, half an avocado nice um and then i will stretch a little bit in the morning get ready warmed up maybe bike a little bit and then get ready to go skiing and you know just warm up do some straighters in the half pipe to start off with and then basically start getting into it building up my run and yeah keep working on um tricks that my coaches say that i need to work on and after the day is done, probably just go home, maybe relax, take a nap or something like that and call it a day. Not <laughs> that bad. Up, you know? Hey, there you go. All right. Not too shabby. So I guess, you know, that that's pretty great. I, I, I really respect that. You know, it sounds like I've talked to you, you know, naturally it makes sense. People live all over the country, right? Like, you know, obviously every, sometimes I have heard situations where a lot of people on a team do live together or live near each other. So they have that opportunity. But so then I guess what there, there has to be a huge accountability factor on your end. And clearly you're fulfilling that when you're not with your teammates, when you're not with your coaches, mm-hmm. because it sounds like you're only with them one week out of every so long, you know, so I guess what do you do when you're not with your teammates? Like, how do you keep yourself accountable and make sure you're pushing yourself the correct amount? So um, gym training is actually such a big part of our sport and big part of my life. And so being in the gym every single day, probably like two hours a day is what I do. And I have a trainer back home that keeps me accountable for going to the gym every day and working out. But when it comes to on snow, um, I kind of just use my old free ski coach. He's still so helpful and like, my ski career and he'll help me out whenever I need it. So if I'm trying to train half pipe that day, he'll definitely come out and help me. So that's really nice. 
Very cool. So that's just kind of every day you're, you're just rocking the gym, rocking the half pipe, it sounds like, or at least most days. Yeah, most days. Uh, every day in the gym. Some yeah. Days in the half pipe, yeah. Very cool. So I guess here, here's a question that I never really thought about until you were, you were talking about a little bit. How, at, when do you start to figure out what moves you can do and how, like, how do you start putting together a run? Like, I, I, we don't need to get super intricate with it, but at what point are you like, Hey, I saw her crush that. Like, let me try it. And then like, I'm assuming you don't just go out and try it. Cause that doesn't sound like the best, um, best possible time. But it was like, how do you go about knowing like, okay, I think I'm capable of doing this and then saying, okay, I think I'm capable of doing this before this and after this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So usually each trick leads up to one another. Um, so I don't know if you know anything about skiing rotations and nope. stuff, but like a normal 360, a 360 hunt, 360 mm-hmm. degree spin. You mm-hmm. add a 180 onto that. That's a 540. Another 180, 720. And so once you feel comfortable doing enough 360s, you're going to see someone else do a 540 and you're going to want to do it. So we have these things called airbags. They're literally bags of air. Um, and those really are instrumental in learning new tricks and feeling confident. So we have these airbags that are specialized for half pipe. So they cut the ends of the half pipe off and put the bag right there. So you literally, I guess they can't see this. Um, it's cool. Go off of, you go as if you're going to do an actual trick in the half pipe, but you land in the airbag. Um, and so once you get that trick, like a million times into the airbag and you feel comfortable and your coach tells you you can do it, then you usually will take it onto snow. And yeah, that's how we do it. It's, it sounds um, much more daring, I guess, than anything I've really done in my life. So again, kudos to what you guys are doing. So do you, how much, how much of what you do is, I don't want to call it copying, but you know, good artists, copy, great artists, still kind of thing. How much is it like, oh, I saw her do that. Let, let me try these three tricks in a row kind of thing. There's a lot of that. Girls in our sport are doing a lot of similar tricks. And there's also a lot of girls that are trying to push the sport and do tricks that no other girl has ever done before. So that's hopefully what I'll be doing once I'm back on snow is trying to push the sport. That's one of my goals for sure. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, so then I guess not to, I uh, don't need to get too political into the, this question, but like how much, how much of it is also looking at the guys and what they're doing and on, you know, physically obvious things, everything's a little bit different, but how much of that, like, I don't want to say weighs on you, but how much do you guys really pay attention to that and think like, Oh, well, you know, lo, woe is me. Why can't I do that? Or, you know, let me, let me go out and try that. Like how, how does that whole aspect work of it? Yeah, it's definitely our sports are, there's obviously a difference because we're not physically as strong as the men. And I think a lot of it has to do with our mentality as well. Mm -hmm. We're often more scared to try to do a trick, but um, a lot of guys, their normal trick would be considered a double cork and um, no girls in half pipe have that yet. But I think that we're so close to doing that. And I think that looking at guys and seeing that they're capable of doing it and they can land it every single time actually like shows that probably a girl could do that. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't see any reason again, as you, as you alluded to, as I said, like physically, obviously there's, there's a difference. Let's we're, there's no, there's no really qualms about that, but I mean, you know, as, as you were saying before, you see other people try and push the sport as in pretty much any sport. That's kind of how it's yeah. done. You know, everybody, someone, 
takes the lead and then everyone's like, oh, well, if that guy can do it, why can't we? So, you know, exactly. 100%. Hopefully, I'll cross my fingers that you'll be one of the first ones to land a double cork and, uh, you know, hopefully you. I'll be able to say I knew her when. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but very cool. Awesome. So I guess let's get into, um, you know, as you said, you're not on the snow anymore, naturally, with, with your knee injury. What... Um, What's, what's the, like, I guess, training slash recovery that you need to go through? Again, if people didn't notice, as I said earlier, this is unfortunately your third knee injury and injury knee injuries are just the worst. And I, you know, I'm very sorry and it's super unfortunate, but we'll keep going. We'll make the team in 2022 and it'll be just a thing of the past. So what, um, like how, obviously I'm assuming you're still, as you told me earlier, you're still in the gym, but how much different is a day now? with trying to rehab compared to, you know, just training and going about your normal life? Um, I keep telling people this, they ask me like, Oh, how is it being in the gym every day? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, honestly, I was doing that before I tore my ACL. Mm -hmm. So it's not a whole lot different, but I'd say the biggest difference is, um, I can't do a whole lot of things in the gym that I could have done before. Like I can't squat past 90. I can't jump yet. I can't run yet. So there are some things that like are frustrating because I can't do that yet, but I think it plays, it's very similar to skiing and learning new tricks. Um, once I do something and it's the first time I'm doing it and I achieve a new goal, like it, just makes me feel so good about myself. Like it's the same thing as skiing. And so I really like that part about working out and recovering. Very Every cool. Day is a new, yeah, new absolutely. Every day is definitely a new, um, a new mystery. So what, a, like, um, when it comes to either, do you have to have a specific sleep schedule? Like I'm assuming you're not in one of those like hyperbaric chambers or anything, but like, is there any specific food you need to eat or any, I'm assuming there's also specific exercises that you need to go about, but kind of, is there anything more, um, to go a little bit deeper into that side of it? I mean, I should be eating healthy, <laughs> like a normal athlete, but I don't like, uh, I have such a guilty pleasure with jalapeno chips. And nice. dip. Like, awesome. They're not healthy, but I love it. And sleep wise, I've actually been getting like 10 to 11 hours of sleep lately, which might be too much, but nope. I love it. I love Don't, sleep. No, yeah. Sleep all you want. You deserve it. You work extremely hard. Sleep all you want. Yeah. So that, there you that's, go. that's pretty funny, but I was going to say, you're what, like, not you're 21 this year, right? You turned 21 at the end of this year. So yeah. you're still pretty young. You can eat jalapeno chips and dip whenever you want. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's really not a big deal. You'll, you're going to be totally fine. I still eat jalapeno chips and dip all the time. I'm 26. So you're going to be fine. Don't worry. And you put fine. significantly more time in the gym than I do. So also enjoy <laughs> yourself. We only, we, we live here once. Why not enjoy it? Right. True. Um, the last question I'll ask about it though, is with, you know, this being an unfortunately timed injury it just sucks all around let's be honest how much more motivated are you to get back on the snow considering this is the oh. time this happened I'm, I'm assuming each time you're, you're antsier and antsier as as you get closer yeah I'm very motivated to get back on snow very strong um the difference with the timing of this one and the last ones this one's at the end of the season oh okay the end of the Olympic year. And so there's not a whole lot of push to get me, get me back on snow as soon mm. as possible because mm -hmm. the Olympics are in four years. Whereas my other ones, which were two to three years ago, were in the middle of the season and I had to push to get back on snow the following season. So I'm definitely motivated to get on snow. It's just like, I'm a lot more laid back. I think. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, why? Yeah. You should be more relaxed. If you have so much time, you might as well get right, get healthy, get everything in motion and then, yeah. and then move forward as time allows. So that that's a great way of thinking about it. Love it. That is fantastic. So good stuff there. So that, that is cool. That is what it is. We don't need to talk about that too much anymore. I guess my next question would then be like, what is expected of you at this point in your career? You know, as you already alluded to only being on the team for two years and coming one spot short, was that expected? I mean, maybe from you, but I guess from the people around you, was that a legitimate possibility slash is that what they expected of you to be that close? And now I'm assuming with the next one in four years, you absolutely are expected to not only be on the team, but absolutely crush it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. My teammates definitely, and my coaches definitely expected me to be where I was at the end of the season. They had mm-hmm. high hopes that I would make the Olympic team for sure. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised because it was my first year and a whole lot of people don't actually know who I am because I kind of creeping up so fast. Um, at, towards the end of this last season, I had been getting fourth place so many times that I had this goal in my mind that the next following season, I would be on the podium every time. And so, and then I had my ACL tear, obviously. So that's a setback, but I think that I still have the capability to be able to podium once I'm back on snow. So that's my goal. Absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great goal to have. I think it's absolutely a possibility. What's, um, what do you think is a reason why nobody noticed you or, or why do you think you crept up on so many people? Like, I understand obviously you weren't there for so long, but I guess why weren't you on the team earlier then? Is that, is that a legitimate question to ask? I guess. I blame it on my knees. I think I had such a bad timing with all of those ACL tears. Like, I was just getting like good results and then my knee would tear and I come back and I do really well. And then my knee would tear and I'd be out for a year and everyone would forget about me. And then I got back and I got on the U S team. Then I made the pro team. My first year on the pro team, like people are starting to notice me, but I haven't podiumed in an event yet. Like people haven't seen me on the stage. So now that my knee is torn again, people are going to forget about me maybe, (laughs) but um, that's all right. I'm still young. It's okay. Keep doing your thing. Yes, absolutely. I don't think too many people are going to forget about you if you were that close this past time. So no, congratulations. And it, it does make sense if, if they would see your name, but I guess they wouldn't see your face because you weren't on the podium kind of thing. Yep. So I guess maybe uh, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Like, I'm great with faces. I'm terrible with names. That's just my thing. That's how I've always been. So like, I can totally understand where people are coming from, unfortunately. Um, but it does sound like you'll be fine for this next time around. So congratulations again on that. Um, so I guess who, like, who do you look up to in your sport? Who inspires you to, you know, be the best to do the best and really to just go out there with setbacks and still just be able to say, no, like next time I'm going to podium every single time and I'm definitely going to make the team. No, I'm going to make the team. I'm going to be number one on the team. Like who do you mm-hmm. look up to in your sport or, or really in any sport that um, gives you that drive and that, that, uh, that motivation? Um, classic answer, Lindsay Vaughn. Um, she's torn her ACL so many times. She's had so many setbacks, but like every single time she comes back so strong and wins and she's still the best. Um, my first ACL tear, I remember watching her documentary and that's really what set that fire in my heart to like come back stronger. And so she's definitely someone that I look up to when it comes to rehab. And on a different note, someone that motivates me to push the sport and do really well would be Cassie Sharp. Um, she's at the top 
of the game right now in half pipe women's skiing and she pushes the sport and does a lot of tricks that a lot of girls don't do so she's a badass Hell yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are some pretty um, well-known names too. So it definitely makes sense. Was, uh, did you ever have an opportunity to speak with Lindsay Vaughn, especially after this previous one? I mean, considering you're both technically on the team, right? I've actually never met her. I've never been in the same presence as her. So I have not been able to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, well, I will cross my fingers that the next time um, she's anywhere near, you will be able to find her and, and ask her yeah. questions. Cause I do think that's a, you know, obviously whoever, if it was your idea to put that documentary on, or if someone was like, Hey, you should probably watch this. That is um, definitely, definitely great for motivation and kind of getting back for on sure. the horse and realizing, Hey, she did it. And then she came back and crushed it. Why, why the heck can't I? So definitely love yeah. the way you're thinking there. So that's very cool. So as I said um, earlier, one thing that I do want to bring up occasionally or, or really with all athletes just so we can get their perspective is, is the monetary aspects of it and obviously we don't want to know how many dollars you made last year we are all of understanding the higher you medal the more money you make that's just kind of you know quid pro quo at that point but what is it like I guess now that you're on the team compared to previous years where you weren't um, what's it like being able, having to do all this travel do all these things get all your gear get all these things you know how much do sponsors help out how much has the team helped out how much of your parents or your, your family helped out in helping you really be able to achieve and become one of the best athletes in the world or something yeah um it's hard because we don't get a lot of money in our sport people think that we do but there's really not a whole lot of money and our team the u.s team actually has a certain budget every single year and that's dispersed among each athlete, each staff member. And so we get basically everything paid for except for travel expenses. And so we're on our own for that. Um, and my parents are my biggest sponsor when it comes to all of this. They like lay their lives out for me to pay for traveling to go places because they've seen that it all pays off and um, I do have sponsors that help me with gear and whatnot, but I haven't quite got to the point where they are giving me money to help out yet, but I make do, you know. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. And thank you, Mr. And Mrs. Uh, Markulis. We really appreciate that right off the bat. So that's pretty great. And uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. I'm assuming, you know, and this is again, me assuming, so who knows, but um, you know, making it to the Olympics, obviously those, those numbers will start swaying in your direction naturally mm -hmm. making the podiums again, numbers start swaying in your direction. So unfortunately this year um, it wasn't, but hopefully in four years it will. And Hopefully yeah. your parents will still be nice enough to uh, keep helping you out in every way, shape, or form. So again, I just want I, I just want people to understand that it's not um, it's not all um, sh sunshine and rainbows when it comes to a lot of this stuff. It is a struggle for a lot of athletes. It's extremely unfortunate considering you put your body on the line for us, you know, constantly for however many years. And I really hope um, one day we'll be able to change that. And that's just kind yeah. of my little two cents on the whole situation. So again. Um, Really appreciate everything you're doing there. And really, I guess just my last question, if, and, um, if you do think of anything, please bring it up before we do end this. Um, but uh, my last question is, you know, if you were to tell another Olympic hopeful something, you know, what, what would it be and, and why would you be telling them this? Um, I would say there is a lot of pressure that comes with competing and being a young athlete. Um, but you really have to kind of push that pressure aside. I mean, pressure obviously helps you to get to a certain place, but if it's really getting to the point where you're not enjoying what you're doing, then 
you kind of got to step back and look back at it and like think, am I really doing this for myself or am I doing this for all the outside pressure? So just have fun. Like that's such a cheesy answer, but like, honestly have fun and do what you love. Yeah. I mean, you hopefully just ski for a living. I don't mean just ski, but you get to ski for a living. Like that's pretty killer or you're a snowboarder or you're a swimmer or you're a track star, you know, whatever you're doing, like they're these nine to five jobs, man, people, they're they're the worst. So let's just be very open and honest about that. So things could be way, way worse than where you're standing. So um, congratulations again, keep rocking and rolling. We sincerely appreciate it. So one more time, Carly Markulies. Did I get it? That's Margulies. Margulies. I'll get it. I mean, it's over, so it really doesn't matter, but I appreciate it. So, Carly, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Carly's on the USA ski team. She skis half pipe. Unfortunately, missed this past year, but something tells me in four years we'll be hearing her name a couple times um, when it comes to that podium. So, Carly, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys, thank you so much again for listening to this episode of Our Athletes. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope you guys are getting something out of it. I truly believe that for the amount of time, energy, blood, sweat, tears our athletes are putting into trying to be elite athletes and representing our country on the highest possible level, we don't give them nearly enough recognition. So um, this is my little way of giving back. I hope you guys really enjoy it. I hope you guys get something out of it, a little inspiration, maybe some fun, some interesting stories. Everybody likes a good story. So um, as you've heard in this episode and in many of the other ones, these athletes are going through incredible things to be able to represent us. And I think it's amazing on their part and we sincerely appreciate it so thank you guys if you could rate comment share subscribe do whatever you have to do tell all your friends about it because i do think um that we deserve to show our athletes a little bit more so thank you guys so much and hope you have a wonderful day